Dub Nation, Clay Thompson is back. This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, Sports Ethos Presentation. Sam Marlick, your host here. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show. We're going to be recapping the last few games for the Golden State Warriors, racking up their first, their first road victory of the season against the Houston Rockets behind some impressive play of the starting unit, and most notably, Clay Thompson is back. Finally, 41 points, 10 of 13 from three, 14 of 23 from the field. And this was just the quintessential Clay Thompson game. Um, hit his first five or, six, five or six shots in a row in the first quarter, but playing in the flow of the offense. And, you know, we've got we've got a lot to talk about here, so I'm going to just jump right into things. Um, leading into this game at Houston, Warriors deciding that they have had enough with their losing ways opted to have a players-only meeting um, before the game. And... A little bit more information has been shared um, as of today, Tuesday, November 22nd. Warriors general manager Bob Myers joined 95.9 The Fan to talk about Draymond Green, his standing in the locker room, and you know what events transpired in this team meeting that has kind of been referred to now as the pivot point or the quintessential moment where players have got together and have been able to realign, talk about what needs to get done, and obviously then take that into execution coming into that game um, against the Houston Rockets. So Myers, you know, a few things that he had to say, you know, first and foremost, Draymond Green, of course, it's going to go back to the punch, the offseason punch on Jordan Poole. And, you know, Draymond Green has always been the most outspoken of the Warriors players. In Warriors dynasty history, Green has been the one to say, guys, we need to do more. Guys, we suck. Um, He's willing to call out anyone and everyone, including himself, and has done so in multiple occasions. And so when you look at this team and the importance of Draymond Green. And sure, you have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson who are also leaders in their own right, but in a very different way than Draymond. Curry isn't one to, you know, throw his hands in the air and take a guy take a guy off to the side and, and call him out um, or go to the coaching staff and call someone out. Um, and that's really been Draymond's role. Um, love him or hate him for who he is and the energy that he brings and the antics that come along with that, the technical fouls, so on and so forth. But he brings this intensity that is contagious and he holds everyone, including himself to the highest standards and is, you know, unwavering in his mindset of demanding that this is the level of play that we need. And this is the intensity that we need to follow. This is the game plan that we need to, maintain 
um, to be successful. And so, you know, with the punch against pool, a lot of that integrity um, had been lost for Draymond Green to be able to play that role this season. And we see, or we, we've seen and continue to see the aftermath and effects of that, which is disconnected offensively and defensively, failing to execute consistently, um, you know, a lot of fouls, a lot of turnovers, a lot of shot hunting. And a lot of that is masked behind this incredible, arguably um, career best start to any season for Stephen Curry that he's had in, in any, in any um, season of his NBA career, you know, coming up on 34 years of age and uh, playing as good as he's ever played for regular season basketball. Some of that is, is been really hidden behind these incredible performances by Curry, but it's really been kind of this one man show. Obviously, you know, his teammates are setting him up, screens are being set, so on and so forth. But we have not seen the offensive and defensive execution that we've grown accustomed to. Forget the second unit, just from the starting lineup, um, had not seen that type of execution consistently um, from the Warriors this season. And so Myers, in this interview, um, is calling that out, that basically you know, Draymond Green understands that he couldn't just come in from day one, from the start of the season, back into the locker room and assume that role that he's always had because that integrity was lost. That trust had been lost and needed to be rebuilt. Now, um, while it's still on everyone's mind, it's been a little bit more time since that, since that event has happened. And quite honestly, or more importantly, players, coaches, fans, um, you know, everyone, except maybe opposing teams, are fed up with the way that the Warriors are playing and losing and losing on the road um, very in very un-Warriors-like fashion, especially for a team coming off a championship victory, a team that's maintained basically their entire, um, not basically, a team that has retained their starting five, their core six that just won the NBA Finals, and here you are, kicking off a regular season where you've yet to win a road game until your ninth game, which was going back to the 89-90 season in franchise history to find another Warriors team that had struggled to this degree to win their first game on the road. So what does all of this mean? Um, It means that there was some, you know, behind closed doors chemistry issues because, um, well, not, I won't say chemistry issues, but um, accountability in roles and and Draymond not being able to assert himself like he's been, not holding other guys accountable, which becomes more important when you have all these young guys that you're adding to the mix. You don't have Damian Lee, Toscano Anderson in the locker room anymore. You've got Moses Moody and Kaminga and Wiseman and Ryan Rawlings and Patrick Baldwin Jr. who are going up and down from Santa Cruz. You've got DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green who are still trying to fit in. You've got a lot of new faces 
on the fringe of this team with still the same core, but very different feel in the locker room and very different vibes around how the team functions, corrects itself, and kind of guides itself towards success. So, you know, and also just taking a moment to recognize that Draymond Green has a long history um, of performing and playing this role for the Warriors. And so taking a step back as teammates, as coaches, and recognizing that this awful thing that he did in punching Jordan Poole, but realizing that, you know, in order for us to move forward and be successful as a group, we need Draymond to reassert himself into that role and acknowledging that, you know, nobody's proud of what he did on that day, but there's still so much good that he's done for this franchise and so many times that he's been able to speak to the team and they've responded because of the way that he is able to bring out the best in everybody. And so it was actually Draymond Green that approached Bob Myers and told him that he was planning to talk to the team on um, this past Friday. And so, you know, while we don't know the specifics or exactly what was said, I think we can kind of read between the lines a little bit. Um, first and foremost, Clay Thompson, right? I mean, Clay Thompson had been struggling mightily on the season. You know, you've got a myriad of reasons why behind it. Um, taking a lot of tough contested shots, just, you know, legs not right, you know, didn't really get a full off season to prepare. Um, the mental block, you've got fans trolling him, you've got, he, he's trolling himself because of how much of a competitor he is and how much he wants it. And you could just see how, you know, how, how much of a struggle it was for the Warriors to come out and win games when you've got, you know, your your second best player, you know, depending on how you look at the role of Wiggins and Draymond, so on and so forth, whatever. You've got your second Splash Brother becoming this volume shooter, putting up, you know, 15 to 20 shots a game and only connecting on four or five of those field goals. And so many of those shots are not within the flow of the offense. It just takes the life out of everybody. Um and so certainly what Draymond had to say, part of which, if not most of which, was directed at Clay Thompson. And we've got some additional quotes, you know, after that game in Houston where, uh, you know, Clay Thompson said he let the inter internet trolls get to him early this season, but he doesn't care anymore. From here on out, his focus is himself and the team. Um, he told C.J. Holmes of the San Francisco, San Francisco Chronicle, the floodgates are officially open. Um, and uh, Draymond Green said that when Clay worries about what happens with this team, play, Clay plays great and we win. Talking about Clay Thompson getting out of his own head. Just, you know, helping Clay realize that this is a team sport. He doesn't need to go find his own shot, create his own shot. Play within the flow of the offense. Steve Kerr's offense, this read and react, pass and relocate offense is all about generating open looks. We don't need you. This isn't the NBA Finals. We don't need you to go create tough contested shots because nobody else could get anything going. If you don't have a great look, pass and relocate, you know, from good shot to, to from good shot to great shot. And I think the challenge for Clay Thompson with his size is he's typically able to shoot over the opposing defender. 
And so in Clay's mind, you know, hardly ever was there a bad shot or not a good shot for him. But just taking a moment for Draymond Green to remind Clay Thompson that, you know, play for the team, not for yourself. Who cares about how you're doing? Play the system as we've done the last decade and the game will reward that. You know, Steve Kerr talks about how the game rewards you for playing within the flow of the system. And it was just so great to see Clay Thompson bust out of that funk in just such a um, profound way. You know, it's not like Clay Thompson, you know, had 20, you know, sure. The game against the New York Knicks was a step in the right direction. Um, Clay Thompson had 20 points on an efficient nine of 18 from the field. And, um, you know, it was a good game, but, and it was definitely a step in the right direction as far as looking at how Clay Thompson got to his shots and he was passing the ball more. He was, he was a willing passer and making the extra play and not just, he gets the ball and the shots going up. But this game in Houston had, um, you know, reminded me very much of the 37 points in a quarter game for Clay Thompson where he was just lights out and you could tell he was feeling it. He, you know, he had all this energy and momentum, even when he missed a few shots, you know, he kind of got back to, got back to playing within the system. Um, and so that was just really, really, really good to see. Um, and also I think a very, very good positive to see Draymond Green kind of get back to his role of being the one to hold everyone accountable and um, to be able to talk to guys and have the tough conversations because this is a very mature team. Um, when you look at the core, the core six guys, you know, nobody's going to be upset or, or holding animosity for being told, you know, hey, what you're what you're doing right now isn't helping us. Let's get back to what has allowed us to be such a successful franchise over the last decade. So um kudos to Draymond uh kudos to the team for allowing Draymond to get back to his role and uh, kudos to Clay Thompson for finally breaking out of this slump for having that you know really back on the map I'm here I'm I'm here to stay kind of feel good game hitting 10 threes uh 41 points just so many so many positives to take away from that now the flip side is on a night where Klay Thompson scored 41 points, Steph Curry scored 33 points, and Andrew Wiggins scored 22 points, the Warriors only beat Houston 127 to 120, um, which seems absurd when you look at those stat lines. But when you look at this team and how they've been performing and, and how young and inexperienced their second unit and their veterans are still trying to get up to speed. It's not it's not surprising. I mean, the Warriors continue to get every team's best effort. Um doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter who's healthy or not. Um everyone's going to play over the moon and then some to to go above and beyond and try and beat this Golden State Warriors team, especially when they know that hey, this team's in a rut on the road. We got to continue to take advantage of that and uh, get some payback for all those for all those L's we've racked up against the Warriors over the years. Um, you know, in just a minute on on 
Stephen Curry in this Houston game. 33 points, 7 rebounds, 15 assists, 7 three-pointers, 1 turnover. The 15 assists were the most assists in a game for Curry since 2016. Steph Curry just continues to be video game level unrealistic. It's just insane what he's doing. Um, Night in, night out, willing to make the right plays. And this was a game in which at the end of the first quarter, I want to say, every every all the starters had scored except for Steph Curry. Um, and he had six assists in that first quarter. And so it just shows that Curry's willing to take on whatever role the team needs. He doesn't need to be the one to score 40 a night. Um, and he knows that if he plays within the system and runs the team and makes the right plays, he's going to get hits. And he certainly did as he had um, ended up with 33 points on the night. Uh, you had Steph Curry's signature uh, running and jumping night-night as he hit the most ridiculous shot of the night. Um, just this fading back three-pointer that just had no business going in. Um, just absolute insanity. Um, he even surprised himself that he hit that shot. Um, Andrew Wiggins just continues to put on a clinic, um, against the Houston Rockets, Wiggins, six of 11 from three Wiggins has just been so, so, so good for the Warriors this season, shooting 42% from three on six and a half attempts per game. Um, Andrew Wiggins is just quietly become such a staple for the Warriors and his three-point shooting has just been a revelation this season. Um, but, you know, for the Warriors against the Rockets, you had a 12-point a lead at the end of the first quarter, mainly built on 20 points by Clay Thompson. And within two minutes, that second unit basically erased the lead. It was like literally... Two, two and a half minutes, and Houston had gone on a 13 and 0 run. So there's going to continue to be these challenges and growing pains as Steve Kerr tries to find the winning combination of guys. Um, Warriors had 17 turnovers against the Houston Rockets. That continues to be an issue. They committed 22 personal fouls, um, shooting 11 of 15 for the line. And the Rockets, on the other hand, shot 23 of 27 from the line, so almost double um, in attempts and, and double in makes, only turned the ball over 12 times. So, you know, you just get a, get a sense of Rockets attempted 90 field goals to the Warriors, 86. Um, Rockets had 33, um, sorry, 45 rebounds to the Warriors, 40, 12 of which were offensive. Uh, Rockets only committed, again, 12 fouls and 12 turnovers. So it's great that we got Klay Thompson back on track, but it's clear that it's going to take these Herculean efforts night in, night out from the starters for the Warriors to win games, even against these bottom feeder teams like the Houston Rockets that um, you know are now sitting at 3-14, and 14, but look at what it took to win this game. And also, when you look at this box score, um, 
Curry had 33, Wiggins had 22, Thompson had 41, Poole had 10 in 24 minutes, and then your next leading scorer was Jermichael Green with 8, who was 4 of 5 from the field. Um, Draymond Green only had 4 points, but he did have 6 rebounds and 6 assists. Uh, Kevon Looney, only 3 points. Um, DiVincenzo played 15 minutes and had 4 points. So, um, and minutes-wise, you've got Steph and Wiggins playing about 36. Clay played 35. Draymond played 31. Looney played 28. Poole played 24. DiVincenzo, DeMichael Green played 15 apiece. And then Kaminga, Moody, and Lamb each got about four to six minutes apiece. Um, of those three guys at the end of the rotation, Moody was the only one who had a um, positive plus minus impact when on the floor. Um, Jonathan Kaminga minus 12, Anthony Lamb minus seven, DiVincenzo minus seven, Poole minus six, um, Jermichael Green minus three. So some good, some bad. <laughs> I mean, the fouling and the turnovers continue to be an issue, but you at least see what I at least expected coming into the season, which is that the defense was going to take a step back with the loss of GP2 and Otto Porter Jr. Um, while the team kind of reestablishes its defensive identity. Um, but offensively, you see what this team can do with uh, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green on the floor. And Jordan Poole is still looking to find his way. Poole in this game, again, 24 minutes, 3 of 8 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line, 2 rebounds, 4 assists, a block, and a turnover. So Poole continues to try and find his way. Um, you know, I heard... Somebody say that, you know, Poole arguably has the toughest role on the team at the moment. And I don't disagree with that sentiment because Jordan Poole, you know, in one game, you know, Warriors have already played four back to back. So you've had four games where Clay Thompson has sat out and Poole's been a starter. And in basically all of those opportunities, Poole has gone off, which is the role that he had last season, right? Clay Thompson sat, you know, whatever the first 30 or so games and Poole really had his um, welcome to the NBA moment where, you know, he was just so consistent and scoring, getting to the rim, hitting three-pointers, leading the league in free throw shooting. And so in that kind of lead scoring guard role, he flourishes. Um, and we saw that last night against New Orleans in a game where all of the other starters were benched. Jordan Poole playing alongside the second unit. Um, Poole still got his with 26 points against a very good New Orleans Pelicans team who has several um, pesky defenders in uh, uh, Herbert Jones and Larry Nance Jr. who are oftentimes tracking Poole. Poole was able to slither his way to the rim on at least five or six occasions going through two or three players without much help around him. So we see that when Poole's game is simplified to this just go out and score, he is typically excelling in those situations. But when he's coming off the bench, when the Warriors are healthy, he's really struggling to find his way in balance between this um, lead the second unit, play make, but also pick your opportunities to score. Um, there's less possessions for him to do so, and you're coming off the bench. So, you know, it's just a little bit, 
more difficult and challenging to be consistent and inject energy and to be ready to hit your shots um, coming off the bench. So I think that that's going to be something he can t- and 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 work on your defense, right? Jordan Poole, what's the knock on Jordan Poole right now? Well, he's great offensively, but he can't defend. And so teams are going at him on the other end. Um, you know, I've seen Poole get beat, you know, uh, more times than I can out- can count, but also have seen Poole take a step forward this season and actually attempt to recover on a lot of those um, several possessions he's actually able to get a block from behind. So you see, or at least I see in an eye test, improvements being made far, far, far from him being able to be, you know, relied upon to be kind of an above average defender, just hold his man um, even, which is why, you know, Steve Kerr struggled to consistently play him 30 minutes a night because you want to get him out there with Draymond, Thompson, Wiggins, and Curry in that super small five lineup. But if Poole can't defend, um, it just becomes a liability. And then with his offensive struggles and inconsistencies, um, it just becomes difficult to continue to trot him out there for extended periods um, when he's still trying to figure things out. So Jordan Poole, um, you know, still has a long ways to go. Definitely making some progress. Definitely in a very tough spot as far as what the Warriors need him to do. But this is their way, right? The Warriors are not so, like, on the one hand, you need to win games, right? Warriors sitting now at 8 and 9, or I'm sorry, 8 and 10 after the loss in in New Orleans. And um, definitely need to rack up some wins to rise up in the standings. But you're also trying to develop guys and get them into the roles and positions where you need them to be for the postseason. So, um, you know, Steve Kerr is not one to just trot you out for 35 minutes and let you play through your mistakes. If you're having, if this isn't your night um, and you're not one of the, you know, the five starters, you're probably, you know, you're going to get the yank because there's other guys that need opportunity. Um, so, yeah. Let's take a step back here and just look at um, the three games again. We've already talked about it a little bit. So we had the game against New York at home, 111 to 101. This was a great Warriors win. This was the first game after the uh, Draymond Green talk um, on Friday, November 18th. you know, very balanced scoring. You had five Warriors. Sorry. Um, you actually had six Warriors in double figures. Curry led the way with 24. Draymond Green had 10. Thompson had 20. Wiggins had 20. Poole had 13. And Jermichael Green had 12. Uh, the Warriors had 32 assists um, to 16 turnovers. Committed 26 fouls. Um, 11 of 20 from the line. Meanwhile, the Knicks, on the other hand, 16 16 turnovers, 16 fouls committed, 32 of 34 from the line. Again, you see the issues here. You had three three Warriors score more than 20 points or 20 points or more, um, but you still give up almost three times, over three times as many made free throws. Um, Warriors attempted 20, but only made 11. Knicks made uh, 32. So I guess that's just a shade under three times. 
um, but just so hard to win games when you're giving up so many free throws um, and you just are so desperately relying upon your three-point shooting. Warriors hit 8 of 50. Meanwhile, New York hit 9 of 34. Um, So that was the game against New York. This was kind of the coming out party for Clay Thompson and the team to just show a little bit of life offensively, sharing the ball, playing through the offense, um, being more patient. Then you had the explosion, um, the first road win against the Houston Rockets, 127 to 120. Um, This was on Sunday night. And then uh, last night at New Orleans, all the starters on the bench except for Kevon Looney. So no Steph Curry, no Klay Thompson, no Andrew Wiggins, no Draymond Green. Looney played, but really this was more, you know, Looney said he wants to play in every game again this season after he was so incredible last season. So they played Looney for five minutes to get him that accolade you know they they're towing the line with looney they're like all right looney you want to play in every game fine we'll start you for five minutes see how it goes but you know don't expect to play a full a full workload and so you had a starting lineup of jonathan kaminga anthony lamb jordan Poole, divincenzo kavon looney and man it was just a very rough game um Warriors got an early field goal and free throw from Jordan Poole and then would not score for most of the quarter. Um, You know, 16 to 35 at the end of one, 83 to 128 was the final. Um, A few times the Warriors cut into the deficit, cutting it to 15, you know, uh, New Orleans Pelicans would get up, you know, 24, 25, 26 points. Warriors would hit some threes, get a couple stops, cut it to 15. New Orleans would call timeout and go on a 9-0 run and push it back up. So, um, you know, and if you guys remember earlier in the season, we played the New Orleans Pelicans in similar fashion on the second night of a back-to-back and also sat all of our starters. So poor, poor, poor New Orleans fans who bought tickets to see um, Steph and Clay and, and the starters play you know, are now over and being able to see that. But unfortunately, this is the reality for these guys playing heavy minutes, having played heavy minutes in in their careers. So many playoff games played the Warriors leading the league in back-to-backs this season. They've got 15. Um, So we've got four of those already taken care of, but this is just what's going to happen. The uh, coaching staff, the performance Science and performance coaching staff is going to determine, you know, how they feel about guys playing. Um, we've seen Steph and Draymond and Wiggins play in some of those back-to-backs and others not. So that's just the reality of the regular season. Health is paramount for a successful playoff run. So you can't really get upset or mad at the coaching staff. Um, you know, it's unfortunate to see the Warriors come off of two wins um against New York and and Houston and feel like they're kind of building some chemistry and continuity and ready to go on a run and then you have to bench all your starters and and give up a um you know a 40 point loss but if that means if that's what you need to do to make sure that you know Draymond Green doesn't miss 30 games Clay uh Steph doesn't miss 20 30 games then I'm all for that these guys are going to sit um 
to make sure that they can maintain this type of workload um, throughout the regular season. And this is, you know, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon is the common um, nomer with uh, the NBA regular season. You got to take it one game at a time. And um, unfortunately, as your vets continue to get older, um, you need to take care of them and their bodies and make sure that they are able to make it through the full season without um, suffering serious injury. So I know this has all been a lot. Um, what else can we talk about? James Wiseman, right? So last time on the show, we talked about how Wiseman had been sent down to Santa Cruz to get some reps. Wiseman did not play in any of the last three games. He did not play against New Orleans. Maybe that came to uh, came as a surprise to Warriors fans, but they are 100% committed to Wiseman developing with Santa Cruz. So how has he fared in Santa Cruz since joining the squad? Um, November 19th against the South Bay Lakers in 25 minutes, Wiseman had 19 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 11 rebounds and a block. Against the Salt Lake City Stars, on November 21st, Wiseman in 23 minutes had 15 points from 7 of 10 field goals, 11 rebounds, and 2 blocks. So, um, small sample size, but basically in two games, he's double-doubled with uh, 15 plus and 11 in a block. So, definitely not bad for a guy who had basically lost all of his confidence playing um, with the big club in the last few games he had played before racking up the DNPs. So you see that the Warriors and their development plan, they are serious and they are committed to what they're doing. This isn't a go to Santa Cruz, okay, you you had a good game, um, come back, because, um, you know, the game last night against Salt Lake City was coincided with the game against New Orleans. So obviously he can't play in both games. Um, rather than call him up and give him a chance to play against New Orleans in what would probably be another disappointing um, exercise given Wiseman's you know, documented struggles and, and his need to get more experience, let him continue to play in Santa Cruz. Let him really get his feet under him, really start to get some traction, and then bring him back when he can be successful. So, um... You know, I, for one, was surprised and interested to see if Wiseman would play against New Orleans, but I didn't see at the time that uh, there was also a Santa Cruz-Dubs game, C-Dubs game that same night. Makes sense that he sticks with the C-Dubs um, until, the you know, the development staff feels otherwise. I mean, if Wiseman's going to continue to rack up 15-11, 19-11 games, shooting efficiently, playing against... Um, you know, G League competitions where he can really get his reps, where he can be the focal point offensively, um, work on his defense, work on rebounding, just really hone all of his skills, get the muscle memory and the reps going, get some feel-good vibes and energy going, and let him really build on that for whatever amount of time that he needs that I don't even think the coaching staff knows. Um, they're just going to let him go out there and play and develop, and then they'll bring him back when they feel like he's ready, and I'm all for that. Because um, when I look at this team today and the struggles that we're having today, I don't think 
having Wiseman or not having Wiseman really makes a significant difference. Um, if Wiseman's not ready to play, you know, um, average ball on both sides of the floor. Um, last thing that I want to talk about here. So Steve Kerr and second unit tinkering. What we saw in the game against Houston that seemed to have a positive impact was Draymond Green playing with the second unit instead of Kavon Looney. So Steve Kerr and the coaching staff need to continue to find ways to find the winning recipe of mixing the starters with the second unit. These guys in the second unit, you know, DiVincenzo, Jermichael Green, Jordan Poole, and then fill in the blanks with Moody, Kaminga, and uh, Lamb, they're all struggling. So you can't go five in, five out. That leads to disastrous, you know, 13-0 runs that we saw, like we saw against Houston. Um, starters build up a 12-point lead. Second unit comes in. They give it up in two minutes or less um, and don't look good in the process. So finding ways to stagger these minutes, to stagger the stars, knowing that basically this regular season, we're going to be leaning on the stars until we can get some consistent production out of these guys and or Jermichael Green and DiVincenzo can be leaned upon more heavily to provide that stability. Um, plus, you know, we're still waiting to get an update on Andre Iguodala and his return. Obviously, I think that his impact on the floor would be huge even if he only plays you know five to ten minutes if he's if he's playing five minute stints with that second unit um i think that he can bring something to the group as far as being able to run offense and be able to know on the floor when it's time to go run a set or go run a play and get a good possession because there's just there seems to be a lack of um, leadership in that group as far as play on the floor, knowing when to run sets and, and take a three-pointer or when, you know, hey guys, we really need to execute something and get up a good shot. And so you really miss the Sean Livingston's, Andre Iguodala's, uh, Barbosa's, just those guys who understood who understood basketball at a high level and, and understood the moment and when it's time to take a quick and easy shot and when it's time to really work it around um, and make sure that you execute and get something good. So um, lastly, a look ahead for the Golden State Warriors um, in their upcoming homestand. We've got the Clippers on Wednesday and the Jazz on Friday. Um Again, Warriors, 7-1 at home, continue to be one of the better teams in the NBA at home. Um, would like to see them rack up some wins against these, uh, these other Western Conference opponents. The Clippers have been, you know, struggling a little bit in their own right. Paul George is banged up a little bit. Um, Clippers are currently in a record of 11-7, I guess, actually. They're fourth in the West right now. Um, the Utah Jazz are 12 and 7. They're first. So this is going to be some quality opponents for the Warriors um, in this upcoming week. It's going to be really interesting to see these teams match up. You know that the starters are going to be nice and rested after not playing Monday against the Pelicans. And uh, it's going to be a great test to see how much of this team meeting 
is real and how much was just maybe that, you know, kind of initial, all right, we just talked about it. We feel good about this. And then, um, you know, a week later, it's kind of like everything's forgotten and we're back to playing that, um, you know, pickup ball style that Steve Kerr had kind of alluded to. So that's all we got for you guys today. Once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Please give me a follow over at Twitter if you haven't already. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And we'll catch you on the next one.